Welcome to The Founder's Mentality, a startup podcast. My name is Josh Feedy. I will be your host on these shows. I've brought together some of my friends to discuss what it means to create a business, to take an idea and build your dreams. On the 17th episode of The Founder's Mentality, I'm joined by the co-founder of Zipnosis, John Pierce. There's a lot of gems in this one, but the big one that I extracted was the difference between a black hole or a supernova CEO. Listen in, you'll like this one. Hey everybody, welcome to the Founders Mentality. I'm your host, Josh Feedy. Welcome back. Uh, today I'm really, really excited because this is uh, this is a pretty impromptu uh, episode, actually. Um, this is a current customer of my business um, who, uh, one, of, one of the employees that was vetting the tool out for the organization said, you know who would be great on your podcast? Our co-founder. And I thought, yeah, let's do that. I've never had a customer, um, an active customer on the podcast, so let's do that right now. So what I'm going to do here is I'm going to turn the mic over to John here. He's going to do a quick introduction. John, can you just tell us who you are and what you're currently working on, what your company is? Absolutely. So I'm John Pierce, and um, I'll start with my superpower. It's mm-hmm. um, um, So I have found this to be tremendously helpful in my own journey. I, I've only recently discovered it. So my superpower is um, have a vision yep. for the future, articulate it, mm-hmm. and then inspire others to achieve it. Okay. And so today I take that superpower and I apply it to a little company called Zipnosis. Yep. And for the past decade, we have been dragging and pulling the healthcare industry into the modern era. Right. And it has been um, a battle. But we have had <laughs> success. I'm happy to say that we've moved them forward a little bit mm-hmm. and uh, excited to be here today. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Great, great. Yeah, we've had um, other guests in the healthcare space. And I think we all agree that healthcare, there's no room for improvement it's an incredible system already yeah Yeah. so yeah no actually no no innovation needed (laughs) at all yeah no no i love it um so welcome to the show this is great having you you on so um again i don't do any pre-planning with these shows really other than just quick looking at people's linkedin profiles seeing what their background is um i don't want this to come across too rehearsed in any way perfect so i did a quick scan and you've been at oh, you've, you've you've been doing zipnosis for quite a while now. I mean, you've hit the ten year mark with this business. Grizzled. So slow clap. I'm not going to actually do it because it'll annoy anyone listening with earbuds <laughs> right now. But congratulations, that's a huge milestone to hit. Thank you. I'm still alive. Before <laughs> right <laughs> before zipnosis, I in my quick scan. I did not see any other startups in your background. Now, maybe there were some that you just haven't made public on LinkedIn. You heard of Google? <laughs> oh no! Oh no! Google was your baby. Yeah, that was it. your that yeah. was your first. That's the secret, right? None. <laughs> <laughs> but tell us, tell tell the listeners a little bit about what even what brought you to founding Zipnosis. What was that journey like? Were there other startups before Zipnosis, or where did that come from? Yeah, so right out of, actually in undergrad, I was um, at another healthcare startup called uh, Provation Medical. Mm-hmm. And they were actually just literally around the, the uh, down the street here, 800 Washington Avenue. Mm-hmm. And so I was doing some programming work for the summer, and um, I had no interest in healthcare. Okay. Hate blood, hate needles, hate yeah. all that kind of stuff. And I was like, but it was really interesting. And I was a St. Olaf grad. There was a, one of the co-founders was a St. Olaf um, alumni, and he said, you know, come work for the summer. And it was awesome. Loved yeah. it. 
loved the problems of the people. It was really fascinating. And they said, well, why don't you stay on and like skip senior year? And I was like, yeah, I don't think that's going to work, you know. <laughs> and uh, but anyway, so we went back and worked uh, for them um, pretty much right after I graduated. Okay. And so I was there for about five, six years. They got bought out in 2006. Yeah. And then I segued out um, to theoretically go to business school. Yeah. But that was really what got me into healthcare okay. and also sort of that intersection of technology. And that's where I met two of my co-founders, um, Conrad and Steve, yep. who were also working there. And that's where Zip was was really uh, germinated. Okay, so I wanted to ask about that as well because you are a co-founder. Yep. Um, I am a founder, I don't have any co-founders. And I've heard conversations on both sides where um, maybe it's investors, maybe it's other companies looking at you. Um, some of them favor companies that have co-founders set up and some of them don't really have an opinion on it. Yep. Um, I definitely hear a lot of the opinions on it being a sole founder. <laughs> um, but where did you find these? So you, I know, we now know where you found these co-founders, but how did you know that you guys needed to start another business together? Uh, well, first of all, I like to say I'm not the brightest bulb, sure. so, uh, but I turn on every time. And I think it, it was the realization that you know Steve was a physician and, and a really brilliant informaticist too. Um, mm -hmm. Conrad is like, you want to talk about like uber nerd mm -hmm. like conrad is like he wins programming competitions and okay. so i mean i knew enough to be dangerous to know enough to like i'm not a very good programmer yeah and that's kind of go back to my superpower but i could see this beautiful intersection of healthcare and technology delivery right. yeah and we kind of all needed each other to a certain degree and i needed right. to be dumb and stupid and tenacious and actually go do this right and uh, they decided not to actually come work full-time at, at zip right uh, but they but i was the one who's like i'm gonna go do this okay and so that was that was really kind of the conversation but we had a total blast building it um, early on and okay. uh, yeah so that's it so they're not currently working at the business no never did really yeah what's that like I mean talk to me about that a little <laughs> why bit. why would you make that choice <laughs> right talk to me about that a little bit um, you know it was I think it was the right move ultimately um, both of them continue to contribute but they also yeah. continue to work full-time and yeah. they, you know they had families and other things they wanted to do and right. and uh, for me zipper was really just it was a passion yeah. and I wanted to kind of go do that and sure. um, I think it worked out okay, and I sleep really well at night, like knowing <laughs> these guys were there. Um, and it, but it also gave really good DNA. You know, right. people look at it and like, oh, yeah, those were those were good guys to have. Right. So, yeah. Right. Sleeping well at night is a very good thing when you're a founder, right? <laughs> if you can yes. actually sleep well at night, I I know there's there's some nights, there's some months where I just can't sleep personally, yeah, right? I mean, yeah. because you're in the thick of very stressful. So what keeps things. you up? I mean, what what is it? I mean, I think that more recently it has been the fundraising on my side, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, fundraising is an incredibly stressful thing um, because at any moment anybody could drop out. And right. there's the big fear that if, if one of the big names drops out, will the rest drop out? What right, will right. the rest feel about that loss, right? right. And so... You know, when you're fundraising, it's not a quick thing. It's not a, hi, I just met you. Thank Full you for contact. the $100,000. Yeah. 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 It is, let me see everything. Let me see your financials. Let me look through your pitch deck. Let me look at the competitive analysis out there. Right. right? Let me have another five to 10 conversations with you. And then I'm going to decide if I'm going to move <laughs> forward. And by the way, let's get your lawyers involved so that we can start racking up some legal fees. And, <laughs> yeah, right. You know what I mean? It's, yeah, it's yeah. a ton of things. So, you know, when an investor does drop out, sometimes that means you've lost some money as well right, right. In, in those conversations. But I think more importantly than that, it's just the time loss. Yeah. So the biggest stressor for me, and, I'm, and I'd love to hear about kind of the beginning of Zypnosis as well, but sure. the biggest stressor for me, we're, we're in very different spaces at this time. You've been doing this for 10 years now. You have a strong team. I'm just bringing on my first official 
full-time employees next Congratulations, month. Congratulations, that's great. Yeah. It's, it's a big milestone and I'm yeah. really excited about yeah, yeah. it. And the main reason I'm excited about it is I can't wait to be able to hand off some of the things that I know I'm not really good at, yeah. but I've had to do for the last two years while we've been getting this thing to this point, yeah. right? So I think that's the biggest stress for What were those first days like for you? I mean, you had the co-founders, but still, everyone was probably wearing lots of hats. Everyone's wearing a lot of hats. You know, it's interesting to talk about kind of letting go. Um, I think one of the, when I talk to other entrepreneurs, especially ones that are just kind of like kicking the tires, I say the number one thing I would advise is, is know thyself. Yeah. Right. And, and you got to know what you do well and what you don't do well. And I think, you know, that's why I started. Here's my superpower, because it's been really liberating to be able to say, this is what I do well. And right. whether or not I'm in the CEO position, founder, co-founder role, yep. if I'm not in that power zone, if I'm drifting or I'm being I'm doing more things than applying that vision, articulating and inspiring. Yep. It's out of my zone. And who do I find to kind of kind of fill those? So, yeah. you know, the, the early days of, of Zip were really, I mean, I did everything, yeah. you know, and, and we had a really small team for a long time and healthcare is tricky and intractable and all those sort of kind of things. But um, I, to me, uh, that was one of the big learnings is to get the really good team. And it's awesome that you're at that point. Right. But that's also exciting. Like, yeah, it's really cool. And you can yeah. be like, hey, guys, here's yeah. what I need to do. My number right. one need is this. Right. You know? Well, and I think the, the hardest thing um, for everybody is to you want everyone to be as passionate about what you're building as you are. Yes. Right. Right. And that's not always a reality when right. you're building a business. Yeah. Um, it is possible to find people that are very passionate about what you're doing. Yeah. Um, but I think that for me, I had to take a little bit of a step down and realize that not everybody is going to want to put in 80 hour weeks to make sure that this thing is Wait, a that's success. that's a half week, right? <laughs> right, exactly, right? <laughs> I sleep in the office. That's why there's a couch here. I just never go home. Um, but, you know, but you do want to find a core team that is going to be passionate about it, that understands yeah, yeah. the mission, that understands the, you know, how this is going to impact businesses and the world. And in your case, I mean, the world in your case. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was the hard thing for me was just making sure that um, I had the team. They were working as contractors for me. Yep. My big stressor was, can I make, can I get them to take the leap with me into full-time employment with this? Yeah. Because if I can't get them, they're really the team that I believed in from the get-go. They're the team I wanted to be a part of this. Awesome. What if I lose them? Yeah, yeah. So I got them. So that was fun. That's awesome. Now we have to add more people. To <laughs> That's good. Yeah. You know, one of the things I've learned through the years, um, and I just, so every, uh, well, now almost every Monday, I do a Monday musing to the team. And okay. it's kind of, it kind of, it's evolved through the, over the past couple of year and a half. And it started out just kind of like a Monday morning email to say, here's where we are as a business and right. those kind of things. And now it's kind of a little bit more of like, oh, here's what I'm thinking about. And I write them for me, but I right. share them with the team. Yeah. So I just did a Monday musing on leadership and kind of the thoughts on leadership. And, and yeah. you're right at that point and, yeah. and you make a good um, a good observation. So at Zip, when we started, I did I wasn't actually the first CEO. Right. And okay. um, the the guy that we brought in um, sort of fit the, the archetype of what I call a black hole leader. Okay. I think there are black hole leaders and I think there are supernova leaders, mm -hmm. right? And 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 the black hole leaders are just as powerful, but everything is about them, man. It, they just suck you in, right? Mm -hmm. And it's mm -hmm. can be the gravity of them can be really alluring, mm -hmm. right? And you can build really big, powerful businesses with a black hole leader. Yep. Yep. But I like to think of myself as a, more of that supernova, right? Where we're bringing together stars, colliding and creating entirely new galaxies, you know? Yeah. And that's like, yeah. that's exciting. And, and when, when you have the opportunity to, to work with talented people, yeah. I'm drawn to them, right? And yeah. you're drawn to each other and done yeah. correctly, boom, you get some really cool stuff. Yeah. And, wow, and so that's the way that. I think of, you know, when, as opposed to, and it, for me, it also kind of helped get away from like, oh, do I need to retain? And it's like, no, you can't keep everybody. Right. Like, no. I want to keep the best and the brightest. Yeah. 
But for me, when I, when I think about whether or not I've been successful in my role as a leader in the twilight of my life, I want to be able to look back and have it illuminated with the stars that I've yep. worked with. Right. Yep. And to me, that's, that, that helps, especially as in the hiring and the growing process. It's like, do you want to come collide with me for a little bit? Right. Do you want to cool, yeah. create some cool stuff? Right. And it yeah. might be time for you to go do your own thing one other time. And that's great. Yeah. And we've had the fortune of doing that with many, many, many very talented people. I'm really glad we're meeting here. I think we have a lot of similarities. I mean, one, one thing that I would say is probably my biggest skill. And one thing that I tell a lot of founders to be very aware of are their strengths and weaknesses yeah, and right. to always be intentionally surrounding yourself with people that make up that difference. Yeah, right. And yeah. people that are so good, in fact, at what they do that you don't need to micromanage them, no. that you have the conversation about these are the goals. These are the objectives. Are these feasible? Can you do them? Yep. Great. When can you do them by? And that's the last conversation you have to have until they do it. <laughs> yeah, right, right, Those right. are the kind of people you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Absolutely. I, I think you're, and it's it's good too, because I think it's really hard as an entrepreneur to know what to hold on to and what to, to sort of let go. But mm-hmm. um, it sounds like you've got a really good, a really good grasp on that. And it's, it took me a long time to learn that. Right. Like, right. And I'm not the brightest bulb. Well, and I love this black hole supernova concept. This is great. So Trevor from, uh, you can't see Trevor or anybody watching the video or listening. He's being silent. He's off in the corner he's right now. He's not breaking now. things. He's taking notes. <laughs> um, no, but Trevor's a great guy. Um, I met him couple months ago, had a multiple conversations yeah. with him. Um, I, I would instruct Trevor at this point um, that your new podcast should be called the Supernova uh, Leadership Podcast. I think that could be huge. It's a bright idea. Trademarked. <laughs> yeah, Trademarked right now. I just did it for <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yep, it's fine. No, no, I own it. I <laughs> oh, own it. Oh. Yeah, yeah, no, you're going to do this for me. You're going to produce this for me. No, okay. Noted. Um, no, I love Keep that. Keep your mouth shut. And I can, exactly, right? <laughs> and I can see with this black hole CEO, I can see where that could be very positive in some instances, and I can see where that would be insanely negative in others. Um, I mean, if you are tasking a CEO with maybe finding new investors, maybe bringing you to your next series, maybe getting you acquired, maybe getting you as a public company, then you do want someone like that that's going to be able to get everyone around them to believe in exactly what they're saying is the mission and and where you're gonna go. But I can see with a team where that could be a negative because maybe they're pulling people in the wrong direction. Absolutely in the wrong direction. And I think more importantly, when you look at really good, if you're empowering a team for growth, right, you are constantly filling them with a better type of energy that is about expansion. Yes. Right. And it is really, really hard to, as a black hole leader, have a really expansive hyper growth company or anything that's sustainable. A lot of times, you know, boom, and it just kind of, and, and so I think that's a big part of it too, is how, how am I, what am I bringing every day into that? And am I creating opportunity? Am I creating growth? Right. And that, and that's kind of that, that, uh, that discussion I have in my head all the time. Right. And as we're building the teams, are we doing it that way? So, yeah, yeah. I recently had a discussion. I I can pretty confidently say at this point, I'm pretty close to being a black hole CEO. So I'm going to be very (laughs) cognizant of this moving forward because I recently had a discussion with my uh, developer. We were having a discussion about a product owner that I really want to hire. And he had a meeting with this person and, um, and this person asked, tell me more about this, Josh. Like, is he for real? Like, what's the deal with this? Right. And he said, look, 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 he's, he's salesy, but he's genuine. 
right? right. And I think that um, my background has been in sales for 20 years. Yeah. And I think to be a good salesperson, you almost need to be a black hole salesperson. <laughs> you want everyone you walk into a room with to say, I want to jump on that ship. Yeah, I believe in right. this salesperson. They're, gonna, they're bringing the right strategy. They're bringing the right mission. They understand our company. Right, right. We're going to move forward. That's a really, I mean, this is something I'm honestly going to take out of this that I'm yeah. going to have to pay attention to because I don't want to be too far of a black hole right. CEO. Because what happens when you don't show up, right? What right. happens is you can't kind of feed that. And I think yeah. it's it's hard too, because it's certainly for me, I had so much personal identity wrapped into Zip, right? right. You know, and it's yeah. like, God, if this isn't working, then it's here. And and um, so I think it, it's kind of helpful to just kind of back away and be like, yeah. am I thinking of building this as a sustainable, durable business? Right. Beyond right. just sort of what, I mean, if it was just me and a few buddies hanging out and right. you know, shooting the shit, yeah. not a big deal, right? But, fine. Yeah. but you know, we've got investors and we need to grow it. And so yeah. am I thinking of being intentional about that do I yeah. know myself well enough to say like yeah. Pierce you can't do all this right like right. literally you can't you know? right so yeah anyway. it's a good it's a good thing to realize because yeah. it will just lead to nothing but burnout and the second it leads to burnout <laughs> everything crumbles um, okay so I want to talk just a little bit about specifically what Zipnosis does because okay. at this point there's probably people listening to the show that are going Okay, that's cool, but he still hasn't said exactly what this does, and maybe they're interested. We know you're, it's in the healthcare space. We know yep. it's in the healthcare tech space, but what does it do? What is Zipnosis? What is the technology? So our business today is we license um, our virtual care platform to healthcare providers. Mm -hmm. And effectively, what we allow you to do is to do a virtual visit, something you would normally go into the clinic for okay. at the convenience of your phone in your home. Yep. And so we do it for very simple conditions. We can do it for a little bit more complex conditions like behavioral health and post-surgical care. Okay. But where we really started are like sinus infections and bladder infections. Yeah. Okay. And so what we did that was very different, though, is we took, or I took a very economic thesis, which said that we have to be able to use technology mm -hmm. to really help um, change the cost of healthcare. Mm -hmm. And so I, I know you had interviewed uh, Thompson earlier. I love his quote. You know, he's all about the, the problem of healthcare. It's price. Right. Yeah. Well, I agree with him, but a yeah. component of that is the cost of it. Right. So what we did was say, listen, we think we can remove about 99% of the administrative burden with technology. That's all. And we've done it, right? I know, right? Exactly. So we've taken we've taken the cost of delivering these very simple conditions from probably eighty ninety dollars to four. Wow. And that's wow. over. I mean, it's taken us a decade, and it's just a small sliver, right? We have just a small dent, but right. it's a huge impact. And I think for right. me, what gets me up every day through the hurdles is knowing that we can continue to do that yep. and have it proliferate. Yeah, that's great. And I think, you know, look, um, entrepreneurs they're willing to take risks. Um, but I, and I had this discussion with Thompson as well, the healthcare space is just such a heavily regulated space. There's yeah, right. really no room to screw up. You're dealing with very confidential information. Yeah, right. Um, so, I mean, what, what were those early conversations with how were, because you started doing this when telehealth and remote health really weren't that big of a thing. Oh, yeah. This was My parents very thought early. it was crazy. It sounds, <laughs> I can see that. 10 years ago, I can see that, yeah, yeah. right? I mean, I remember Cardiocom. Yeah. Um, they were acquired by Medtronic, right? Yeah, but yeah. Um, that was one of the initial telehealth companies. My wife actually worked for them. She was one of their nurses. Oh, nice. She would work right out of our house on a TV screen, helping. Yeah. Great concept, right? Right. So, yeah. but again, very confidential information. So how did you get over that barrier of we're going to be dealing with some things that we could get in a lot of trouble with if we don't engineer this correctly? 
I don't know. I mean, I already coming from a healthcare startup, it didn't intimidate, you know, like yeah. once you kind of crack the code, you crack the code and you're sure. like, okay, here's the bare minimum. You got to be HIPAA and all these other kind of things. Right. And after that, like you just get over it and you're like, let's go explore the really cool stuff. And so, right. and I, I think also for me, I, tech has always been a, a means to the end. It was sure. a very economic thesis, a human centered design thesis. Right. And so you say, I'm not going to let that be a barrier. Right. It, it is a part of what I have to think about. Right. But I'm not going to let it sort of get in the way of everything. Did you ever have to be any part of any sort of policy change to get some of these mm-hmm. things? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay, what was that like? Oh, my gosh. So <laughs> our, our first chief medical officer, um, a woman by the name of Dr. Hafner, is yeah. a phenomenal woman. She was a um, pioneer female physician um, out of North Dakota. And she spent a lot of time at Minute Clinic. We actually have a lot of Minute Clinic okay. DNA in our business. And so okay. she knew the regulatory and it yeah. is trench warfare, man. It right. is at the state level, the federal level, and every single state has a different policy. Right. And and, right. and she did a really marvelous job of helping us sort of craft the messaging and yep. going out there and just helping push things forward. Yeah. And, you know, we did as much as we could as a small team, but I can right. say today, like the momentum is very much on our side. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. So in building this business... You don't have to answer this, but I always like to know, uh, what, what's one thing that you would do differently? What's one thing that didn't, didn't go well? Maybe you should have trusted your gut. Maybe you knew it wasn't going to go well. Maybe you assumed it wasn't going to go well, but what's one thing that you, you would have never done again? <laughs> I made so many damn mistakes. It's hard <laughs> to pull one out. Um, and it changes every day. That's kind of the best part of it. Yeah. Um, I would, I would have charged more. I would, I would have made more money from uh, what okay. we did. Okay. And I think that's especially true in healthcare because it moves so slow. Yeah. I mean, we're on almost a year long buying cycle for a lot of these systems. And so your right. cost of sale is immense. And, right. and, and it's this, but it's this like, it's this perverse problem in healthcare because right. you have to charge more because it's complex and it's slow moving. Right. But then I'm out here going like, well, I want to decrease the cost. Right. And it's like, right. where do I sit in that? Right. You know? And it's like this philosophical me- mission meets this brutal reality of healthcare yeah. economics. I mean, pricing is such a tricky thing, right? Oh, yeah, I, right. I went back and forth on pricing, um, for many, many months before yeah. we actually moved people to paying customers. Um, and, you know, the verdict is still out whether or not I did the right thing and landed at the right place. And I think what's really challenging, and I'm sure you faced a very similar uh, situation, was, you know, when you're launching a tech product, uh, a lot of people don't understand this. When you launch a tech product, you don't launch it completed. (laughs) It's not done, right? You are launching something to test a thesis, to get people to use it, to see if it proves value before you invest in all the other things that need to come with it. Right, right. Right? And so... You know, that's that's a real big challenge, right? right. And so uh, for us, the pricing discussion was, well, until we build all these other fancy things that we know it needs to do down the road, we can't charge a premium price for it. But even so, I've had some customers that come back to me and they say, look, dude, you got to charge more because I'm getting incredible results. And just because it doesn't integrate with Salesforce yet, or just because it doesn't yeah, yeah. integrate with HubSpot, doesn't mean you shouldn't be charging what's fair. We're landing right. deals off right. of this. And yet I have other customers that are like, no, 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 this is a fair price. But once you build those other things, then I'm willing to talk more. Right. And that's great. So here's a question for you. So, you you know, you talk about staying up night um, at night, yeah. thinking about fundraising. We love your product, by the way. And uh, that's an un- unsolicited plug there. You don't have to endorse my product on here, but thank <laughs> no. you. Yeah. Um, but let's just be real. Yeah. Why go raise money instead of right. spending time working on those problems? Exactly. Right. right. Figuring those things out. Yeah. And I think for us in the space we were in, the only reason we had to raise money was because 
Um, the where we're going to make our money is in large enterprise deals. Okay. That's where we're going to make our money. Yep. And when we talk to marketing teams and sales teams in large enterprise companies, the first thing they ask is, will this integrate with our CRM? Yeah. And, and it's a prerequisite. So anyone listening to the show, and maybe I'm totally wrong on this, but anyone listening to the show, especially if you're building a product that is going to be in front of a sales team, those are the first questions that you're going to get asked because right. sales managers and marketing teams have become, that's their lifeblood. Absolutely. They're hooked up to Every that. Day. Yep. 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 The, the conversations aren't having, aren't being have, uh, aren't, aren't happening in person. They are happening through analyzing the data coming through the CRM and yep. everything has to integrate. And if it doesn't, they see that as a barrier of entry. Got now, yep. does the product operate independently on its own? Yes. But would it be simpler if it automatically did these things? Yes. yes. So it's right. a nice to have, not a need to have. Yeah, yeah. The fundraising came for us from the necessity to get those things done very, very quickly yeah. because then revenue will go through the roof. Yeah. It's, it's, they're queued up, they're ready to go. The pilots we're doing with some large companies um, we're only starting with very small sales teams because they don't want to roll it out full scale yeah, until they yeah. feel like it's ready for yeah, prime time. Yeah. So it's tough, but talk about that. So we might have differing opinions on fundraising. So what was your <laughs> fundraising strategy? Did you guys bootstrap this for oh, quite oh, a while? Oh yeah, I mean, I didn't make money for four years. I okay. mean, I, I remember living, we were in uh, Minnesota S Corp and I, I, the, I made money literally on the, the tax loss. That was my only income for a number of years. And that, trust me, that's not a sustainable growth no. trajectory. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, like I said, I'm not the brightest bulb. Um, <laughs> But you know, I, I, it depends. We we raised an A round and raised almost seventeen million in two thousand and sixteen, okay. and we had to. Yeah, um, we were we were profitable the year before. We had more customers than employees. Okay, but the market was just moving too quickly. Okay, and and given you know sort of the, the cycles and the investments. Yeah, and it's interesting. There's a lot of good discussion. I've got a number of um, other healthcare entrepreneurs here, and we, we constantly go at it of like, why would you go raise money when right. you should just focus on growing your business? Right. And and the yeah. brutal reality is there isn't an answer. Right. Right. I mean, there's a reason yeah. why markets exist to do it, yep. and there's reasons why you freaking just gut it out and yeah. say, I'm not going to go do it. I'm going to focus on my business and my customers. Customers. Right. Equally valid. Yep. And sometimes, honestly, I think it just comes down to how competitive of a space are you in, right? right? So are the competitive threats something where if you aren't able to move lightning fast, that right. you're just going to get bullied out, Yeah. right? And yeah, I yeah. think for me, that's where fundraising became an essential, yeah. right? But I've had many, many conversations, right? So I, I do not endorse uh, always fundraising. Yeah. I think you have to look at it on a case-by-case -case basis. Yeah. Because yeah. it's hard. It is. It really is. It is. I used to joke. I was, uh, yeah, anyway. <laughs> I was like, oh, you're just out raising money. I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, this is hard. Yeah, it's a full-time job. <laughs> yeah. It yeah. really is. Yeah. Okay, so what is what is the future of Zypnosis? Where, where are we heading, at least the things you can discuss? Yeah, so I think for us, when you look at the when you look at the industry as a whole, there is a whole new renaissance of virtual care and consumer-driven mm -hmm. technology and solutions that are mm -hmm. out there. And one of the things that we've done is we basically de-risk the technology and scaling. Okay. And so we think there's a lot of opportunity to play a very important role in a lot of the D2C um, solutions that are coming into the marketplace. What does D2C stand for? So direct-to-consumer. Direct -to okay. Yep. So anybody who's got a, 
you know, a menopause solution or yeah. behavioral health or something like that. But they're yeah. really catering to us as the as the digital health consumer. And okay. it's just it's a it's a total renaissance. It's to, it's really cool. Right. Um, so we think there's there's a lot of opportunity there for us. A lot of it continues to be how do we take that efficiency right yeah. and take that four dollar delivery cost. Yeah and push it across as many disease states as possible. Right. So our systems, our customers are going, Pierce, this is great for sinus infections, but I want to be able to tackle hypertension. Right. Let's go figure that out. Let's figure that out. Yeah. Okay, so you've given a ton of great advice, so maybe you've already said it, but what is the one piece of advice that you give to other startup founders in the beginning of their journey? Know thyself, man. It's yeah. that simple. It really is. Yeah. And, that, and that's, you know, for me, again, I, it took you a long time, but I, I really think that is, it is essential. And the other thing, I, um, I learned this at probation pretty early on, so they had a lot of really bright people that were working there. Yeah. And some were a little bit weird, yeah. you know? And, yeah. and what I realized early on, too, is if you want to work with exceptional people, yeah. you have to be ready to make exceptions. Right. right? And it kind yeah. of seems like... Love yeah, that. Right? Yeah. But, you know, you, you kind of get there. And so I think those are, those are things where as you get into the game and you think about what you want as an entrepreneur, like know yourself, are you ready to do that? Right. Do you want to work with people that might be a little socially odd, but are off the charts? Right. Game on, man. Or right. do you want to like have fun and like hang out, like know yourself in that one. Yep. So yeah. Who are, I'm going to put you on the spot on this one. Who are some of your local inspirations, entrepreneurial inspirations? Who do you look to? My crushes. Yeah. Your crushes, <laughs> your founder crushes. Um, <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Put you on the spot. Okay. Um, so one would be Kyle Rolfing. Okay. Uh, Kyle has been a good, uh, a good friend and, and partner in the, in the zip journey and beyond. And I think yeah. he, he has done a phenomenal job of being a leader in this, a quiet leader, yes. but a very transformative leader. And, um, he speaks softly and, and carries a lot of weight. And I can, I can tell you that probably on half of the healthcare entrepreneurs in this, yeah. in this town would Yep. likely say the same thing about Kyle. So. so anybody that doesn't know Kyle, UHC, and now Bright Health. Right. So yeah. um, incredible pedigree. And yeah. yes, I've met him a couple of times. Incredible person. Yeah. Um, very generous person, actually. Very generous. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Very authentic. You know, and, I, and yeah. that's what I, I love that about, you know, people who have been, you know, good inspirations for me are, yeah. you look for that consistency, right? right? And it doesn't mean you're always right, right. but there's something about it that's just like, yeah, you're a good human being and he I is. can trust you. Yeah. He yeah, is yeah. very much a good human. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I like that. All right. Yeah. Well, How about so, you? So I need to have Kyle on the show. I mean, okay. So, I mean, Tom, I've had Thompson on as a guest. Thompson is somebody that I just like, I have a total crush on him. He is... He's incredible. Okay, he has incredible hair too, by the way. He has incredible I, style all around. I yeah. I mean, honestly, he's just, he's a, he's a model. I mean, it, but he is such a genius founder. The yeah. way he creates things, the way he thinks, the way he doesn't, he doesn't let anything get in his way, right? He doesn't let no money to get something going or right. no team to get something going. <laughs> um, and he's, The wrong business plan, crappy technology. Nothing. And he, and he doesn't, <laughs> and, and my favorite thing about him is he'll just, when he has a brilliant idea, if it's not the right time, he just sits on it until it's the right time, yeah, until the technology yeah. is there for him to just do, create that MVP. Yeah. Um, incredible. Mitch Coopit was one of my guests. I just think he's a genius Stud. as well. Yeah, totally. um, yeah. And he's one of those guys that if we're talking fundraising, like this is someone Animal you need man. to talk to. Yeah. He's absolutely incredible at that. Um, so yeah, and Clarence Bathia. Yeah. I mean, honestly, that guy is, he is the most inspirational oh. um, uh, founder that I've met, I yeah, think yeah. He, he's a great leader. He's got a great background and story. Yeah. I love his 
just the diversity of his background, right? He's not the kind of guy that you would be like, oh yeah, you're gonna found a tech company someday. Like, no way, that's never gonna happen for you. And he's doing it, (laughs) and he's doing it incredibly well, um, and he's super humble about it. Um, And then my, but, uh, so I'm gonna give you a whole bunch. Um, (laughs) The the last one I would mention. I can see, I can picture your ceiling and your wall at home, right? (laughs) Yep, it it used to be posters of famous musicians, now it's local founders. But they're probably my favorite local founder that nobody ever talks about um, is a guy named Bob Gardner. Um, He owns Gardner Builders. And he, the reason reason I love him so much is because of the leader that he is. Um, Mm. He, when I first met him, I was doing a project for a nonprofit organization, and his employees came to the groundbreaking celebration of this. It was the Wolf Ridge Environmental Learning Center, and okay. they were building a living building challenge. Regardless, his employees came out and they brought their children because it's a children's place. Yeah, right. And I watched how he would walk up to every family and knew the names of every one of their children on yeah. a first name basis. Yeah. And I went, that's the leader I want to be someday. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's my inspiration. Yeah. So above all else, this is a guy that doesn't get a lot of fanfare yeah. in the town, but his business is growing like crazy. Yeah. He's doing really good work and he's an insanely inspirational leader. You know, it's interesting too, if, if you were to sort of paint the, the caricature of the, the founders that, that we respect, mm-hmm. That is not what gets usually represented in the entrepreneurial community, no. right? The, the no. hallmarks of great entrepreneurs are not those. They're no. not humble. They're not consistent. They're not people first and right. sort of that value. And, and it's interesting because I think that a little bit of that is is some of the hype that goes with, with some of the fundraising too because there's almost this machine that just kind of kind of prints out this, you got to be this and you right. got to do that. And the yeah. reality is like, this is your life, man. Right. This is what you're doing with your life. Right. And let's be respectful of that. Right. And how do yeah. I, and how do you bring that and still want to have a bold vision and like right. make money and do all those other things. But that's right. where I think we, we need to continue to push for that narrative. Yeah. So you can still be treated as a really important human being yeah. and still be a successful CEO in a startup company. We couldn't have ended it on a better note than that. I right. love that. John, this was really, really great having you. Thank you. On the show. Ditto. Thank you for coming into the office and joining me for this one. Um, thank you to your team for making this connection happen. Sure. Um, I really, really appreciate it. Um, and I, and I want to stay in contact with you. You will. So, um, you know, maybe in, in six to 12 months, we'll have you back. You know, maybe there'll be some big news that you want to talk about. Maybe something comes up. Or a decade right? now and I'll still be here. Maybe re-listen and you go, <laughs> geez, there was three things that I, I really wanted to talk about and he didn't let me do it. We'll do it next time. All okay? right. Okay. All right. But thanks everybody for joining. Um, and we will be releasing uh, another episode uh, in just two weeks. I'm having uh, some of my favorite local founders from Superbook uh, that I was in the beta program with on to uh, talk about. Uh, their digital binder system for lawyers. So it's going to be a really fun one. So thanks for joining. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. So what do you think? Pretty good, right? We have plenty of other episodes on our website at thefoundersmentality.com. And don't worry, you don't only have to listen to these episodes. If you prefer to watch a video, we do videotape every single episode and post them every other week on our website. Again, the web address is thefoundersmentality.com. This has been Josh Feedy. It's been an honor bringing this information and these guests to you, and I hope you continue listening. Don't forget to give us a share. Talk to you next time. Bye.